We're continuing our reading of Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita, taking up where we left off on Wednesday night last. 35, we made so much progress. That's amazing. Mantra Guru Aro Jatta Shika Guru Gan Tahar Charana Age Kare Vandan I first offer my respectful obeisances at the lotus feet of my initiating spiritual master and all my instructing spiritual masters. So Mantra Guru up. The initiating spiritual master Aro and also Jatta as many as there are. Shika Guru Gan, all of the instructing spiritual masters. Tahar, of all of them. Charana, at the lotus feet. Age, at first. Kare, I offer. Vandana, my respectful basis. I first offer my respectful basis at the lotus feet, my initiating spiritual master. And Jatta Shika Guru Tahar, uh, as many as there are. Uh, all my shiksha guru, the gana. Gana means uh, the group, the group of uh, initiate of instructing spiritual masters. I offer my respects at their lotus feet. Purport: Shila Jiva Goswami, in his thesis Bhakti Sandarbha 202, has stated that uncontaminated devotional service is the objective of pure Vaishnavas, and that one has to execute such service in the association of other devotees. By associating with devotees of Lord Krishna, one develops a sense of Krishna consciousness and thus becomes inclined toward the loving service of the Lord. This is the process of approaching the Supreme Lord by gradual appreciation in devotional service. I'll read that again. This is the process of approaching the Supreme Lord by gradual appreciation in devotional service. So in other words, we associate with the devotees. There's no uh, other way to uh, get Krishna consciousness or to advance in Krishna consciousness. One must associate. And association means that we have to hear and chant with the devotees. We also have to serve the devotees. And we have to be very respectful in our dealings, understanding that the Vaishnavas are very dear to Lord Krishna. And from that kind of association, then we get gradual appreciation of devotional service from the Vaishnavas. If one desires unalloyed devotional service, one must associate with devotees of Sri Krishna, for by such association only can a conditioned soul achieve a taste for transcendental love and thus revive his eternal relationship with Godhead in a specific manifestation and in terms of the specific transcendental mellow rasa that one has eternally inherent in him that's so important i'm going to read it again if one desires unalloyed devotional service one must associate with devotees of sri krishna for by such association only can a conditioned soul achieve a taste for transcendental love and thus revive his eternal relationship with godhead in a specific manifestation and in terms of the specific transcendental mellow, rasa, that one has eternally inherent 
in him. If one develops love for Krishna by Krishna conscious activities, one can know the supreme absolute truth, but he who tries to understand God simply by logical arguments will not succeed, nor will he get a taste for unalloyed devotion. The secret is that one must submissively listen to those who know perfectly the science of God, and one must begin the mode of service regulated by the preceptor. A devotee already attracted by the name, form, qualities, etc. of the Supreme Lord may be directed to his specific manner of devotional service. He need not waste time in approaching the Lord through logic. The expert spiritual master knows well how to engage his disciples' energy in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, and thus he engages a devotee in a specific devotional service according to his special tendency. A devotee must have only one initiating spiritual master because in the scriptures, acceptance of more than one is always forbidden. There is no limit, however, to the number of instructing spiritual masters one may accept. Generally, a spiritual master who constantly instructs a disciple in spiritual science becomes his initiating spiritual master later on. One should always remember that a person who is reluctant to accept a spiritual master and be initiated is sure to be baffled in his endeavor to go back to Godhead. One who is not properly initiated may present himself as a great devotee, but in fact he is sure to encounter many stumbling blocks on his path of progress towards spiritual realization, with the result that he must continue his term of material existence without relief. Such a helpless person is compared to a without a rudder such a ship can never be such a ship can never reach its destination it is imperative therefore that one accept a spiritual master if he at all desires to gain the favor of the lord the service of the spiritual master is essential if there is no chance to serve the spiritual master directly a devotee should serve him by remembering his instructions there is no difference between the spiritual master's instructions and the spiritual master himself in his absence, therefore, his words of direction should be the pride of the disciple. If one thinks that he is above consulting anyone else, including a spiritual master, he is at once an offender at the lotus feet of the Lord. Such an offender can never go back to Godhead. It is imperative that a serious person accept a bona fide spiritual master in terms of the Shastra conjunctions. She Jiva Goswami advises that one not accept a spiritual master in terms of hereditary or customary social or ecclesiastical conventions. One should simply try to find a genuinely qualified spiritual master for actual advancement in spiritual understanding. And now um, I'd like to just, before we take questions, to illuminate and expand the conversation, please look at uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 22. 34. And if you want a shortcut method for getting there, as Shraddha pointed out to me yesterday, you can go to Google and put in 11.22.34 and you go fast as lightning. Atma parigyana mayo vivadho hyastiti nastiti bidharta nishta pyarto pinaivo paramita pumsam so 
Atma means of the Supreme Soul, Aparigyanamaya, based on lack of full knowledge. Vivada, speculative argument. He, indeed, asti, this world is real. Iti, thus saying, na asti, it is not real. Iti, thus saying, bda, material differences. Artanishta, having as its focus of discussion. Vyarta, worthless. Api, although, na does not, eva, certainly. Uparamita, cease. Pungsam, for persons, mata, from me, paravrata, who have turned, diyam, their attention, suloka, who am non-different from them. And the translation is, is everybody listening? Yes? Okay. The speculative argument of philosophers, this world is real, no, it is not real, is based upon incomplete knowledge of the Supreme Soul and is simply aimed at understanding material dualities. Although such argument is useless, persons who have turned their attention away from me, their own true self, are unable to give it up. And here's a purport. If one doubts the existence of the Supreme Personality of God, one, one will in, inevitably doubt the reality of the Lord's creation. Thus, without understanding Lord Krishna, mere argument and debate over the reality and non-reality of the material world are useless. The material world is real specifically because it emanates from the supreme reality. Lord Krishna, Lord Krishna. Again, the material world is real specifically because it emanates from the supreme reality, Lord Krishna. Without understanding the reality of Lord Krishna, one can never definitely ascertain the reality of his creation. One will always wonder if he is actually seeing something or merely thinking that he is seeing it. This kind of speculation can be resolved without, this kind of speculation can never be resolved without taking shelter of the Supreme Lord and is therefore useless. The devotees of the Lord are not inclined to such argument because they're factually advancing in spiritual enlightenment and are fully satisfied with their progressively more beautiful experience of Christian consciousness. So don't boo, chant. Don't complain, chant. Don't argue, chant. Of course, Siddhanta Bolechita Nakara Alash, Iha Hoite Krishna Lageshudrid Manash. One should thoroughly and fully discuss the Shastra to come to Siddhanta, but that should be the purpose. However, if we look again at this verse, we go up a little higher. We see this. Um, tendency is to argue about things which are aparigyanamaya. Uh, they're based on lack of knowledge. In other words, if a person doesn't have full realization of the topic, he or she argues it and uh, vacillates from one position to the next. The person who's arguing for something can end up on the other side of the argument and say, oh, now I accept this. Back and forth it goes. And so arguing amongst people who don't have full realization or simply vivada, they're speculating. Um, and they don't have surrender in mind and they haven't had any realization, therefore, uh, uh, go on arguing for no good reason and it's not helpful. So one has to come to the point of uh, surrendering to the Supreme Personality of Godhead 
If you go back to the verse that we have today from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, part of the surrender process is this uh, acceptance of the spiritual master and uh, submission uh, in, in the matter of hearing by Krishna consciousness through the parampara, executing the orders in the association of other devotees. So now let's take some uh, questions that will illuminate the conversation and expand it. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Dhanavad Pranam. Hare Krishna. Prabhuji, what is uncontaminated devotional service, what we read today in the purport? Un, uh, it means that Anyabilashita Shunyam, it's free of Jnana Karma Nyanavritam, this definition of uncontaminated devotional service. Uh, uncontaminated devotional service means that we're not uh, self-interested and asking anything for ourselves. We're doing service for service. So uh, also there's a, a sense that um, there's a progression in the process of coming to um, the perfection of devotional service, which is uncontaminated, in which uh, one may start with, for instance, in the Vedic process, offering uh, karma. It means I'm following the um, Vedic injunctions and I'm doing sacrifice uh, as mentioned in the Vedas. And then later on, I get um, a uh, sense of knowledge through which I'm speculating about the Lord. So that there's karma, jnana. Uh, but in bhakti, there is a um, spontaneous way in which out of love, we're offering Krishna everything, all of our uh, activities, whatever we're doing, we're simply doing out of spontaneous love for Krishna. So there's a progressive, progressive path that comes to that point. In the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about how some people try vidya mam soma papa. Uh, he, he mentions there's a way in which people who are performing karma ascend to a higher position in the material world, but later on uh, they fall back down again. And he also mentions that if somebody, he says that you, you, know, you can go anywhere you like in the material world and that people oftentimes uh, worship different demigods. And he said that they're actually worshiping me, but in a wrong way. And he says uh, that uh, it's uh, very complicated to perform activities of karma and jnana. But for me, uh, to worship me is very simple. Patram pushpam palam toyam easily obtained items like a, a, a fruit, a flower, water, can, you can offer me. And then Krishna says, He's saying that um, actually uh, to get into the, to this uncontaminated devotional service, one can, uh, instead of offering things uh, through the, demigods and so forth, you can directly offer it to me. Whatever you're doing, offer it to me. And this is uh, a precursor to coming to the point of, of uh, unalloyed devotional service where one has no conception that um, I'm getting something in return. I'm doing this or um, 
for instance, in, in karma, one does one's work. And at the end of the day, one may say, I offer this to Krishna. Or one may do some sacrifice like fasting. And at the end of the day, one says, I offer this to Krishna. But actually, uh, Prahlad Maharaj says, when one comes to the platform of unalloyed devotional service, he's engaged in the direct process of worshiping Krishna without doing uh, one's own work and then offering that work later on. So he mentions to his father, when the father, Hirani Kashipu, asked, what is the best thing you've learned? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam, Iti Pumsart, Pita, Vishnu, Paktishchen, Navalakshana, Kreta, Bhagavat, Tan, Manam, Ditam, Utamam. There's a way in which he says that uh, when one's intention is first uh, to uh, worship me, and then enters into these nine processes of Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, with the sole intention of worshiping Krishna, of glorifying him, this is direct devotional service. And when one's engaged in these processes directly to worship Krishna with no sense of, of uh, karma, that I'm doing something for myself and then later offering it to Krishna or Jnana, using my own um, intelligence to speculate who's God, but I'm simply directly worshiping him and I have no ulterior motive. This is anyabhilashita shunyam jnana karma nyanavritam. It's free from all these other tendencies. And anakulyena krishna nushilanam. There's a way that uh, it's favorable to Krishna. Because there are some who think of Krishna constantly, but they're thinking of him in a derogatory way, like Shishupal. He thought of Krishna from the time he was born, but he was, he was um, complaining about him. He was always criticizing Krishna, blaspheming him. And Kamsa thought of Krishna constantly. So this is not anukul, it's not favorable. The unalloyed devotional service means that a person's always thinking of Krishna, but it's anukul. He's thinking favorably. How can I give some comfort to Krishna? How can I give something nice to Krishna? And they're spontaneously engaged in that way. And in the beginning, we cultivate that through um, our uh, Vaidhi Bhakti, offering things to Krishna according to the, the uh, rules and regulations of Panchratrik. And um, we also immediately can enter into the process of direct devotional service through hearing, chanting, remembering, and so on that are mentioned in the nine processes. Thank you for your question. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Okay. Is there another question here? Maharaj, uh, the Shamalangi Devadar. Hare Krishna Shamalangi. Uh, I, I, the, the, the words you just quoted, I had heard of a very similar one. Um, I mean, I just came across. This is uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 6431. And it's also quoted in um, Chaitanya Chaitamita in the like when Gopinath Acharya is talking to Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya. So the translation says, this is 6431 from Srimad Bhagavatam. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the all-pervading Supreme Personality of Godhead who possesses unlimited transcendental qualities. Acting from within, within the course of the hearts of all philosophers who propagate various views, he causes them to forget their own souls while sometimes agreeing and sometimes disagreeing among themselves. Let us create within this material world a situation in which we are unable to come to a, con a 
a conclusion. I offered my obeisances unto him. Yeah, nice citation. Let me read the purport. Since time immemorial, or since the creation of the cosmic manifestation, the conditioned souls have formed various parties of philosophical speculation, but this is not true of the devotees. Non-devotees have different ideas of creation, maintenance, and annihilation, and therefore they are called vadis or prativadis, proponents and counter-proponents. It is understood from the statement of Mahabharata that there are many munis or speculators, tarko pratishta shutayo vibhinna, all speculators must disagree with other speculators. Otherwise, why should there be so many opposing parties concerned with ascertaining the supreme cause? Philosophy means finding the ultimate cause. As Vedanta Sutra very reasonably says, Atato human life is meant for understanding the ultimate cause. Devotees accept that the ultimate cause is Krishna, because it, this conclusion is supported by all Vedic literature, and also by Krishna himself, who says, Aham pravava, I am the source of everything. Devotees have no problem understanding the ultimate cause of everything, but non-devotees must face many opposing elements, because everyone who wants to be a prominent philosopher invents his own way. In India, there are many parties of philosophers such as Dvaitavadis, Advaitavadis, Vaisheshikas, Mamamshakas, Mayavadis, and Swabhavavadis. And each of them opposes the others. Similarly, in the Western countries, there are also many. philosophers with different views of creation, life, maintenance, and annihilation. Thus, it is undoubtedly a fact that there are countless philosophers throughout the world, each of them contradicting the others. Now one might ask why there are so many philosophers if the ultimate goal of philosophy is one. Undoubtedly, the ultimate cause is one, the Supreme Brahman. As Arjuna told Krishna in Bhagavad Gita 10.12, Parampama paramdhama pavitram paramang bhavan purusham shashvatam divyam aridevam ajam vibhum. You are the supreme Brahman, the ultimate, the supreme abode and purifier, the absolute truth and the eternal divine person. You are the primal God, transcendental and original, and you are the unborn and all-pervading beauty. Non-devotee speculators, however, do not accept an ultimate cause, sarva karana karanam because they are ignorant and bewildered concerning the soul and his activities. Even though some of them have a vague idea of the soul, many controversies arise, and the philosophical speculators can never reach a conclusion. All of these speculators are envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 16, 19 through 20, those who are envious and mischievous, who are the lowest among men, are cast by me into the ocean of material existence, into various demoniac species of life, attaining repeated birth and death. 
attaining, or attaining repeated birth among the species of demoniac life. Such persons can never approach me. Gradually, they sink down to the most abominable type of existence. Because of their envy of the Supreme Personality of God, and non-devotees are born in demoniac families, life after life. They are great offenders. And because of their offenses, the Supreme Lord keeps them always bewildered. Kurvanti chaisham muhur atmamoham. The Lord, the Supreme Personality of God, it purposefully keeps them in darkness. Atmamoham. The great authority, Parashara, the father of Yasudev, explains the Supreme Personality of Godhead thus. Yana shakti bailaishvarya virya te jamsyasheshata Bhagavat Shabda Vachyani Vina Heyar Gunadibi. The demoniac speculators cannot understand the transcendental qualities, form, pastime, strength, knowledge, or opulence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which are all free from material contamination. Vina Heyar Gunadibi. These speculators are envious of the existence of the Lord. Jagaradhur Anishvaram. Their conclusion is that the entire cosmic manifestation has no controller but is just working naturally. Thus, they are kept in constant darkness, birth after birth, and cannot understand the real cause of all causes. This is the reason why there are so many schools of philosophical speculation. Thank you. A very important introduction of that verse. And from Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu, he says, in, in the Srimad Bhagavatam verse, we read that without getting an understanding of Krishna, it is not possible to understand the nature of this world. But isn't the Sankhya process all about knowing the 23 elements of material world to be impermanent and then graduating to the spiritual platform and knowing Krishna? Aren't the two seemingly contradictory? Uh, we should uh, know from Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita First of all, that Krishna is the source of all remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. Furthermore, he's also the goal of the Vedas. He's the creator of the Vedas, and he's the goal of the Vedas. Let's speak of the various Vedic processes. These are all uh, like tributaries and of rivers. And unless these various uh, other tributary philosophies connect to the main river, like the Ganga, that is uh, huge and is uh, inexorable, inexorably flowing towards the ocean, they don't make it all the way. So a lot of these uh, philosophies and philosophers that are mentioned, unless they become devotees and come to the point of understanding that Vasudeva Sarvamiti, that Krishna is everything. As Krishna mentions in seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Bahunam Jamanamante Gyanavan Mam Prapadyate, Vasudeva Sarvamiti, Samahatma Sudurlaba. There are all kinds of speculators who try to understand the absolute truth in this way or that way. But until they come to the point of Vasudeva Sarvamiti, the Vasudeva is everything. Everything's meant for Krishna. Like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he was a young scholar, he used to argue all the time. And then when he went to Gaya, he met Srila Ishvara Puri and he surrendered. And when he came back, he was uh, interpreting all his, his um, teachings in Sanskrit to his students who were studying grammar. 
they say, what is the meaning of these verbal roots? And he said, they all mean Krishna. Everything means Krishna. And they, they went to his, his teacher, his uh, education guru, and he said to Gangadas, uh, Pandit, and they said, I think that Dhanimai Pandit's gone mad. He says that everything means Krishna. Everything is Krishna. Everything means Krishna. There's no other meaning. But that's the truth. It all does mean Krishna. So when, after all these philosophies are said and done, until they lead into the process of pure devotional service, then uh, they leave us stranded somewhere and, and without um, a resting place. But if one takes to the process of devotional service, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita, Janayat Yashuvairagyam, Yanam Chayyarahai to come. The kind of jnana and vairagya, uh, this uh, Sankhya philosophy is meant to help us understand one thing. There's a difference between consciousness and matter. And then it's meant to bring us to understand that there's a controller of all matter. This is what Kapila, uh, this, the manifestation of the Supreme Personality of God, it teaches in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Of course, there's an atheist Kapila also that we're not to follow. And his conclusion and the conclusion of many Sankhya followers is uh, there, there is no supreme and that the soul is a temporary manifestation in this world also. So the perfection of that knowledge comes as one uh, enters into the process of direct devotional service. And then it, these understandings are concomitant. One understands I'm different from matter and one also uh, becomes um, detached or unattached from the material world. Then we have from uh, Danavari. She says, uh, you mentioned the other day that when we pray to Radha and Krishna, we are praying to Lakshmi Narayan. Can you please explain much more about this? If so, we pray Lakshmi Narayan directly. It means that uh, Vraj Bhakti is, is Raga Bhakti. We're on the Ragmarg, but to get there, because our devotional service isn't spontaneous, we're given the Panchratric system. So when we worship Radha Krishna, of course they're Radha Krishna. We see Krishna there with his flute and Radharani. But we're worshiping him in the mood of uh, Lakshmi Narayan because we, in the temple worship, uh, we see Krishna as the king. Everything has to be there perfectly in order, on time. And this is the way that we worship Krishna in the temple so that um, gradually we'll come to the point of a spontaneous devotional service, but even the external worship will remain the same. But in the beginning, uh, we can't claim to be spontaneous lovers of Krishna. Uh, there, the, the method of worshiping Krishna in Vraja is unceremonious. There's no ritual. It's all coming from the heart, and it um, is not understandable uh, uh, and shouldn't be in, imitated by those who are um, not spontaneously attracted yet. Uh, to Diyaseva, the Supreme Lord in old Vedic literature addressed as Supreme Brahman before Bhagavatam was written by Srila Vyasadeva. Um, what's the question? Was the Supreme Lord in old Vedic literature addressed as Supreme Brahman before Bhagavatam was written uh, by Srila Vyasadeva? Oh, the, in the Rig Veda, Om Tad Vishnu Paramam 
tam se dá, pašanti surajodi ve vočakšrata tam tabi prosov vibanjavo, jagravam sahasminda te vishnuriya paramam param. The Supreme is there situated in his abode, and those who are um, in knowledge of him, of Vishnu, they're keeping their vision uh, uh, fixed on that Supreme goal. So, yes, the Supreme Lord is there in the ancient Vedas, and his name is Vishnu. And uh, Sid says, um, in the last line of the purport, one is advised to simply try to find a genuinely qualified spiritual master. How does one going about, go about trying to find a spiritual master? The way that um, one um, finds a spiritual master, primary way is to become a sincere disciple. Because um, Krishna actually uh, is within the heart and he reveals knowledge to us according to our desire. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, as, uh, as you surrender unto me, I reward you accordingly. So uh, according to the intensity of our desire to know Krishna, Krishna reveals himself. And one of the ways that he reveals himself, the primary way in which he reveals himself is through guidance from uh, the external, uh, our ex external environment, especially through the principle of guru. So you see the example of Dhruva Maharaj. Dhruva Maharaj was a five-year-old boy. He just heard from his mother that he needed to get relief from his current situation, situational problem by finding God. So he said, it's, if it's the last thing I ever do, I'm going to find God. I mean, his mood was do or die. I'm going to find God. And he didn't know who he was. He didn't know exactly how to find him, but he had the intensity of desire to find him. And because of that, Narada Muni intercepted Dhruva Maharaj on his way to the forest. And then it gave him instruction about how to actually find God. That was a result of Krishna being in the heart of Dhruva Maharaj and instructing Nardamuni to come and meet him. So meeting of a spiritual master is dependent on one's intensity of purpose to, to know the absolute truth. And when, one's, when that is there, one is able to uh, be enlivened from within the heart to meet up with those uh, uh, diksha, a diksha guru and shiksha gurus who can uh, assist one in understanding the absolute truth. So that's where it begins. One should also, um, just like if you're going to go to a doctor, you should find out what is a doctor. Because uh, practically nowadays, everybody's a doctor, it seems to me. If you go on social media, everyone will tell you how to cure the uh, coronavirus. Somebody the other day posted that if you just inhale vodka, that uh, you'll become free from the virus. <laughs> Apparently that's a, a Russian cure. Um, and every other form, you know, just take this, just take that, whatever. Uh, everybody's a doctor. So you should find out who's, who's actually a, a real doctor before you go in to have your um, self operated upon. And uh, like 
in finding a normal doctor, what do you do? I mean, did the person go through medical school? Uh, let's say you're going to an Ayurvedic doctor. Ayurveda is very complicated and it's an intuitive science. It's like um, most other sciences ultimately has an intuitive side. And, you know, you really have to get training from a master to become a great Ayurvedic doctor. And you have to practice yourself in order to come to the point of being able to take somebody's pulse or an allopathic doctor, a heart doctor. I was reading an article the other day in research for my book. It was all about how the stethoscope uh, became the main uh, symbol of a doctor, isn't it? Whenever you see a doctor, a picture of a doctor, even like if it's an advertisement using a, an actor that looks like a doctor, you put on two things. One's a white lab coat and the other is a stethoscope hanging around the neck. Think about that. If you don't have one of those, you know, you're not really a doctor. And uh, the, those who know how to listen to somebody's heart can hear all kinds of sounds that nobody else can hear. This was in the article I was reading uh, about heart doctors. And, and actually, they had the recording on the website of what they, they play the recording of the heart, which is um, extremely um, revealing. You know, when you think about the heart in their beating and there's all kinds of complicated parts going on within the heart, different compartments and so forth. And uh, then the doctor was explaining what he heard. I didn't hear anything. I just heard blood flowing through uh, some ventricle and he heard, oh, this person has uh, something's wrong with part of the, the ventricle. It needs to be fixed. He could hear it because he's been trained. So if you want somebody um, to assist you on your spiritual path, that person has to have uh, studied under another doctor. Can't have just read a textbook. Prophet points this out that you know, you don't go to a doctor and say, how did you become a doctor? And so, so well, I, I just read the textbook. You, you have to ask, um, you know, ask uh, Neil, our doctor, uh, Jariwala. You know, he had to go through studying for, under all these teachers, and now he has to do residency. So those who have uh, studied under a bona fide teacher who's a master, and then they've become uh, acquainted with the science through practicing it themselves, and uh, learning everything about it, then become um, able to listen to our heart and say, okay, I hear a little, you know, defect from the sound that's coming from you right now. Let's adjust it. So uh, you have to study the science of who is a guru. To, um, there's, there are many verses in the Shastra which explain, Tasmad Gurum Prapadyeta Jignasu Shreya Uttamam. So this is one of the verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam in which uh, Krishna says, Therefore, tasmad gurum prapadyeta, you should surrender to a guru. What is a guru? Jignashu shri utamam. You should inquire from him about the ultimate goal of life. Don't go ask uh, stupid questions about uh, how I can get um, a better economic situation or something. Shabde Parichanishnatam, a guru is somebody uh, who is who has heard uh, thoroughly. That's the main qualification. A person who has heard all of the sound vibrations coming from the from the Shastra and from his spiritual master. Shabde Pari, as Prabhupada puts it poetically, that person has taken a dip in the ocean of transcendental knowledge. Because you need somebody who can 
diagnose you and then remove the obstacles. And that person should also be absorbed in the process, him or herself, and practicing fully. So many verses like that. So that's a, a few thoughts for you, um, Sid Prabhu. Monisha uh, says, in regards to devotional service and taking to spirituality, we know that is how we can attain, that is how we can attain ultimate happiness what we were reading the other day from Nectar Devotion, and it said there are three kinds of happiness, material, spiritual, and devotional. Devotional service and the happiness due to ex execution are not possible as long as one is materially affected. I was a little confused why devotional and spiritual happiness are put in different levels. Isn't devotional happiness under spirituality? Could you clarify this? Yes, this is... Um, these are the three categories that Rupa Goswami mentions. First, he mentions material happiness, which he said is a misnomer because there is no happiness at all in the material world. There's only suffering. Then he mentions the happiness of Brahman, which he said is millions of times greater than material happiness. Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma. You get when you realize you're not your body, as an example, it's a great relief. It's like, you know, if you ever had a dream and you know, you're about to be killed and then you wake up and you realize, oh, it was just a dream. How do you feel? Kind of happy, right? <laughs> That's like Brahman happiness. Brahman happiness means I'm relieved because now I know I'm not actually a debtor. I actually have nothing to do with the material world. That's a big relief, but it's not really positive happiness. So then that spirituality, spiritual happiness. But the highest happiness is the happiness of devotional service. And that means rasa. Rasa vaisaha. Krishna is the origin of all these rasas. And one enters into this rasa through the process of devotional service. And that means a loving relationship with Krishna in five kinds of relationships. And when the relationship is there, then we really start to taste happiness that makes the happiness of spirituality seem like uh, the water contained within the hoofprint of a calf compared to the ocean. That's how great the devotional service is. Hope that helps, Monisha. Uh, Radhavinka Prabhu, as usual, is giving us the pramanam very expertly. He gave 11.321, for, that's for you, Sid, and everyone else who wants to know where that verse is that I quoted. Uh, Mukharavinda also did that. Thank you. And here we have from Facebook. Anything more from Facebook? It looks like it ended after the um, Joppa Circle. We have um, uh, Kalyan said uh, amazing point about the Aishvarya mood of bhakti and Madhurya mood of bhakti. Many of us don't have any conception of what ragmarg is. <laughs> Thanks for explaining so nicely. Well, one of my favorite explanations of ragmarg, and uh, I mean, there are many explanations. It's a great science and it's there within the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and, and many other of the Goswami literatures and uh, revealed to us throughout Prabhupada's teachings in various ways, but in a very spontaneous way of explaining it, Achyutananda Prabhu, who is one of the first, if not the first, uh, follower of Srila Prabhupada, who came in um, 1966 or seven 
in New York and started following Prabhupada. He's a really uh, genius type of person, uh, expert at practically everything that he does. And one of the first ones to bring uh, Bhajan into ISKCON. He was um, evading the, the, the draft of the Vietnam War. So Prabhupada sent him to India. He lived there at uh, Prabhupada's Godbrother's Mutt, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, for many years. He learned uh, Bengali and Hindi and uh, all kinds of things. In any case, uh, great soul. And uh, a few years ago, after he wrote his book, Blazing Sadhus, uh, he was giving a talk in New Vrindavan. And in a very impassioned speech, he was talking about Ragmarg. And he said, Prabhupada's getting on a boat with no money and coming to America with no connections, only the burning desire to please his spiritual master in his heart. He said, if you want to see Ragmarg, that's Ragmarg. I mean, like a madman, practically, uh, Sarup Damodar of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's intimate associate. And when he heard that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, he became like a madman. And he went away and then came back and joined Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he apologized for running off. But the devotees, they become uh, overwhelmed by the um, process of, of uh, serving the Supreme and serving their gurus and so forth. And in that, there's, a, there's this uh, spontaneous nature. And of course, as we know, uh, the Ragmarg means to follow in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan, of Raj. This is our path. Tanama rupa chaditari sukirtananu smrityo kramena rasanamanasini yoja tishtam vraje tananu ragi jananu gami kalam nayed akilam itupadesha saram. The essence of all advice in devotional service uh, given by Rupa Goswami is that we should hear, chant, and remember, and serve, uh, etc these nine processes of direct devotional service. And we should come then to the point of becoming attracted to the sound vibration. It happens as a natural course. And uh, from that, we'll become spontaneously attracted to a, a specific devotee in Vraj, who's performing devotional service in a specific way. And we'll begin to follow in the footsteps of that devotee under guidance. And then we enter into uh, Vraj, by following in the footsteps of these parishads, the eternal associates of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, but there are uh, displays of Ragmarg even in this world. Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur on his logo for the, Bhakti, for the uh, Gaudiya Mat, uh, he put the printing press uh, with the Brihat Madanga, he called it, and above it he put Ragmarg. <laughs> There's a practical way in which we're also following the footsteps of those devotees who are so uh, mad with love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that they'll, they'll go anywhere and everywhere in the world without concern for their own welfare, uh, simply to spread the, the message and follow the instruction of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is, a, is a, also a display of spont spontaneity in devotional service without any doubt. Bhakti Paula, Hare Krishna. Um, just wanted to share this in Bhagavad Gita chapter 9. Krishna says, because you are never envious of me, I shall impart to you this most confidential knowledge. Yes, 
this is a very important uh, point brought up in the first verse of the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna reveals himself to Arjuna. Uh, we generally don't reveal ourselves to, uh, to people, even um, casual associates or even friends. They have to be very intimate. And uh, the reason they become intimate is we know they're not envious of us. They actually love us and they, they're not competing and they're not trying to dominate us. It's very rare in this world, but it's the most essential uh, actually in devotional service that we have this kind of relationship with devotees so we can reveal our hearts. pritchati, And um, when we approach Krishna, if we develop this uh, non-envious attitude, and especially it starts with uh, interacting with his devotees in a non-envious way and finding those with whom we can share our hearts, then uh, we, uh, Krishna begins to accept us as genuine and non-envious. And that's the position from which we're able to receive all uh, knowledge about Krishna, only from that position, because we can't ever approach him and know him in knowledge by demanding it or by competing with him. But if we surrender to Guru, Yasya Devi para bhaktir yata Devi tata guru, the Shastra says that uh, only to those who are faithful in uh, serving Guru and Krishna simultaneously do all the imports of Vedic knowledge come. You can memorize a lot of stuff. You can become a scholar, but you'll miss the point unless you're faithful. So the Guru principle is very important. It's out of all the 64 items of devotional service, the entryway according to Rupa Goswami, is to uh, surrender to Guru and understand that principle first. Vibhu uh, Sharma from the um, Facebook says, how to remain steady in Krishna consciousness when one is not physically well or diseased? Oh, I'm, yeah, that's a very difficult thing. So uh, to, to be unwell physically, it makes it a little more difficult. So we should try to stay as healthy as possible. Uh, Krishna recommends in the Bhagavad Gita, yukta hara viharasya, yukta cheshtasya karmasu, yukta swapnababodasya yogo bhavati dukaha. Uh, he said, try to remain balanced in your life so that you can uh, dukaha, you can become free from misery so that you're not too distracted in your devotional practice. But there, there I know devotees who are uh, under severe uh, restrictions according to their bodily uh, existence and there's no impediment ultimately. If you're sincere and you do what you can with what you have, Krishna will give you more facility to advance. I know devotees who, uh, or uh, I mean, I know devotees who have, uh, there was a devotee named Raghun, um, Radnath uh, Das, and he was, uh, he, he passed away a few years ago, 10, 15 years ago, but I used to do Sankirtan with him. He was confined to a wheelchair he had some really awful disease that crippled him, uh, hands, legs, everything. He had a, a, um, one of those automated, uh, automated uh, mechanical wheelchairs, and he used to do Sankirtan, and he'd show up at every program and so forth. Um, and uh, where there's a will, there's a way. So you have to do what you can with what you have. And finally, Madhava Prema. Uh, asks uh, how to overcome the urge to do some mundane duty right now, even though it's sometimes which 
can be done later. For example, if a message comes while one is chanting and there is an urge to reply. So for those kinds of things, is everybody still there? Just checking. Yes. I'm yes. going at 100 miles an hour here and I hope I'm not. Yes, yes, yes. yes. All right. Yes. Okay, I'm just checking. Yes. All right, so. Okay, wait, wait, I'm not done. I'm answering Marla Prema's question. He says, so if he gave a specific example of what if a message comes in with when chanting and there's an urge to reply? Make a list, Madhava Prema, of all the ways in which you get distracted and then eliminate those distractions. This is a very practical way to make advancement in any discipline uh, and to become more focused in your life. No, first you have to become aware of what it is that's distracting you. It's like in business in managing a, a business and helping it to expand, you have to know what the obstacles are. You have to actually list them and then you have to brainstorm how to overcome the obstacles. This is part of growth in, a, in an organization. So in the same way, you have to have a list of the things that are distracting you in your life. Then you have to have a plan to overcome them. It doesn't happen automatically. What happens automatically is we get distracted because uh, that's the tendency of the mind and the material world uh, accommodates that tendency. So, for instance, you gave the example of being distracted by your cell phone while you're chanting. So now, if you know that's a problem, write down that on a list that this is what's distracting me. And now tell me uh, three ways that you can overcome it. Or at least one. Go ahead, type it in there. Please. Yeah, here you go. Keep the cell phone away. Okay, yeah, he's typing, but uh, others are speaking it. So keep the cell phone away, like where? Keeping in a different room. Madhava Prima said keeping in a different room. Does a cell phone have an on-off switch? Make an oath. Yes, it does. What's that? Make an oath of turning off your phone. You once did that. You okay, once did make that. an oath to turn off your phone. Now there's a concept. What happens when the phone is off? It doesn't ring. It has no more power over us. <laughs> so we have to decide ahead of time uh, that we'll turn it off. And then, boy, what an empowerment that is when the phone's off. It has no more control over me. I'm superior energy to matter. But there's this uh, very interesting phenomenon that uh, Kapilade brings up. And uh, it's uh, actually, uh, no, it's uh, Maitreya. Because Vidura asks him, how is it that the superior energy of the soul gets dominated by matter? And, um, and Maitreya said, it's, it's, a very, it's an oddity. It's really a strange phenomenon because we should be the dominant ones over matter. But it's because we become indifferent, he says, to Krishna. And vimukha, we turn our face away and we're just like, I'm, I'm not paying attention. So we have to become unmukha. We have to get our head in the game. You know, it's like your coach will tell you on the field, get your head back in the game. You know, you're just running around the field with no uh, comprehension of what's happening. So find out what's going on around here and get back into it. So you have to be very deliberate and that's why uh, Rupa Goswami gives these six items that will uh, take you in the wrong way and six items will take you in the right way. They're very practical. 
So turn your phone off and put it in the other room and see how you feel. And, uh, you know, maybe put it in your neighbor's house uh, or, or put it in a safety deposit box while you chant Joppa. It depends how, um, how well you want to do. You're welcome. Okay, let's see. Is there anything else? Okay, yes, please go ahead. I was just thinking that I have two black cards at home. Uh, I actually wrote down the quotes and put it just in front of where I chant. One of them says, Krishna is present fully in his holy name. And uh, this is realized by the humility and sincerity not chanting. And the other one is replace behaviors that impede growth of behaviors that nourish it. Let's say the second one you said it really fast. I couldn't hear you. Sorry, the re replace behaviors that impede growth with behaviors that nourish it. And the flower of self-realization will bloom. So I have it, I have it put on like this. So I sit in front of it and chant. So personally, I think that um, when I, if I get distracted, I can read it and you know reiterate that I am supposed to, um, you know, especially the as Prabhu said about the cell phone, that was the most difficult thing. <laughs> so I knew that that was the most impeding uh, in my spiritual life. That's one of the impeding things. There are several. So I, I just try to have a quote in front of me. So I keep seeing it and it'll remind me, oh, I'm supposed to do it, remember? <laughs> Very good. Yes, so this means you have your head in the game and you're deliberately trying to pay attention and overcome the obstacles. And more may come up because, you know, those be, after some time, the words on, the, um, on, on that uh, uh, document you put up there, you might look at, you might not see it anymore. And then you have to come up with a new <laughs> way to overcome it. So we always have to try to stay a few steps ahead. Madhava Govinda Prabhu gave us something from Amazon. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, let's see. Then put your phone in a neighbor's house. Prashant. Okay. Uh, would you uh, please, Akadashi Vrata, elaborate on how one can be humble and genuinely think all others are better than they are, but at the same time look for appropriate association with which requires discernment. Uh, how can we be humble and genuinely think all others are better than they are? Oh, I see what you're saying. And then find appropriate association. Well, Mahaprabhu recommended find those who are more advanced than oneself and who are like-minded. Uh, means they have a similar kind of um, mood in devotional service. Their goal is as similar and they're more advanced. And how can you tell they're actually more advanced? It's really based on the ways that uh, they are engaged in devotional service without any uh, breakage. And you'll know it when you see it, because you feel that kind of association when you get into it, 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 it draws you. You feel that you're being improved in your devotional service by being in that association. It's a very subtle energy but the fact is that you walk away feeling i'm better than i was before and i'm getting nourishment from hearing from this person and when you can find devotees like that and they're in the same mood like there may be great scholars and they're talking about this or that but maybe they're not in the same mood like we we have this um you know feeling of um attraction for staying under Prabhupada's lotus feet and he has certain conclusions and like, for instance, his mood of preaching, 
he would talk about nonviolence that's there in every scripture. Ahimsa is the first process in uh, Ashtanga Yoga, and Patanjali goes into great detail about it. Krishna talks about it when he says, Amanitvam Adamvipa Ahimsa Shantirajavam Ahimsa Ahimsa Ahimsa. So some, everyone interprets that differently. What is Ahimsa? But Prabhupada's interpretation was Ahimsa, nonviolence means you have to actually be preaching to people. Because if you see that they're suffering and you don't go give them Krishna consciousness, you're committing violence. That's a mood. And there are many other um, symptoms of that mood that come from Srila Prabhupada. So um, that's my example of what it means uh, uh, to discern somebody's mood. And when you resonate with that, then a like-minded, more advanced person is going to be somebody in that same mood that you're cultivating who's obviously attached to Krishna, who's most addicted to hearing and chanting and so forth, and uh, who helps you. And if you find somebody who's helping you, it means they're uh, advanced and they're giving you the vibration that's curing your disease. Chitraleka Saki, fantastic. Great to see you here. Uh, in the purport of CC, we read today about the essential importance of Diksha. Many years ago, a very senior devotee who is an initiating guru in our movement told me then in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that if we think of him at the same at the time of death, we go back to him and that he does not mention Diksha as a criteria. Please, how to understand these two apparently opposite uh, statements? Well, Prabhupada mentioned that uh, the mood is important. In his purport, you'll notice Chitralitika Saki, that uh, Prabhupada said if you think you're above taking um, instruction from anybody else, then you become an offender. And, you know, to actually come to the point of remembering Krishna, it's important to uh, be a surrendered soul. And uh, very uh, prominently there in, this, in the Shastra is the way in which we become uh, inclined toward taking shelter under Vaishnavas. Because the Vaishnavas are Krishna's representative. Actually, they have something even Krishna doesn't have. You can say, I just go to Krishna directly. And first of all, Krishna says in the Adi Purana, someone who says he's my devotee isn't my devotee. But somebody who says he's the devotee of my devotee is my devotee. What do devotees have that even Krishna doesn't have? Love of Krishna. Even Krishna wants that. That's why he comes as Lord Chaitanya and pretends to be a devotee, <laughs> because, yeah, I want that too. So devotees have that. They have that surup shakti, the internal potency that, as, as the uh, lover of Krishna, and that's the energy that we're most interested in. And uh, when we take shelter of Krishna's devotees and serve them, then Krishna's most satisfied, because... Krishna loves his devotees so much and is always trying to serve them. He says that in the verse, Ananyas chintayanto mam yejana paripasate tesham nityabdyuktanam yoga kshemam bahami aham. He says, for those who are ananyas chinta, their consciousness is only on serving me, then bahami, I personally come to serve them. With my own hands, it means, vaham yaham. With my own hands, I'm serving. It's not indirect. I love them so much, I want to serve them. On the other hand, devotees never want to take service from Krishna. So that's a conundrum for Krishna. So if you find a Vaishnav that's dear to Krishna, and you serve that Vaishnav, you're fulfilling Krishna's innermost desire. 
And that's why uh, you become very quickly recognized by Krishna. So you can say, I'll take Guru by Vedabase. Uh, I'll just remember Krishna directly and so forth. Uh, these things are not what Krishna says. They're not what his idea is and so forth. So um, we need to uh, f find out what, what Krishna's mood is and, and how to serve him. And um, furthermore, there is something that Prabhupada said there that you can be considered offensive if you think that I'm above uh, uh, putting myself under guru. First of all, somebody might say, well, there are, I can't find any gurus because there's nobody in the world. There are no gurus in the world anymore. The last ones are gone. I mean, every religious tradition has a branch that says that. Uh, in Islam or whatever. I'm not going to mention particular ones, but they all say there was a last Messiah and then that's it. There's nobody else. Then what do you have? You know, <laughs> well, how good is that process that, you know, the last person was there and then nobody else could come to a higher level to, to be a teacher in that uh, position. It's all just us and then that Messiah that was there thousands of years ago in whatever tradition it's in. So that's a tendency to be kind of um, deliberately uh, negligent of the, you know, good qualities and those who are following uh, presently and be able to see how could I get something from, from the person who's actually right here. Now in the commentary to the sixth canto by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, he says that one of the offenses in chanting the holy name, the third offense is disobey the orders of the spiritual master. So he says that if you're chanting Hare Krishna and you don't take shelter of a Vaishnava for, the, for that chanting, and you think uh, that, you know, there are no Vaishnavas, I, I don't need anybody, I'm just gonna chant Hare Krishna directly. He says, you're chanting Namaparata because although you're chanting, you're, you're a neglecting guru and therefore you're committing the, the third offense. And he says then, you go on chanting and in your next life, then you can get guru. And this is how important the guru principle is, that you should be, yes, chant, but chant under the protection of a Vaishnav. And it's the first thing that Rupa Goswami says, it, out of the 64 items of devotional service, the gateway to entering into them as a Tao Guru Ashrayam. First, take shelter of guru. The guru, guru is a principle and it's also a person. The principle of guru is there and it's uh, universal that you have to humble yourself and approach somebody and uh, declare your intentions and have a conscious exchange so that there's acceptance and then serve. We can go on like that, but um, there was a few ideas. Yes? Um, could I just make, make a point? I insist upon it. Okay. Um, Norgo Vindamaraj, in all of his books, he always makes this point about people who say that there's no more gurus left. And, he's, and he always says that is the sun rising in the morning? Is the moon shining? Is the universe functioning? And he says that the only reason why the universe is functioning is because of the presence of a bona, a bona fide sadhus. Yes. Uh this is the purpose of the world is to help uh, all souls to go back to Godhead. And the only way that that's possible is if there's Vaishnavs, pure Vaishnavs in the world. 
and the, therefore the proof that there are Vaishnavas in the world is that the sun is shining and the world's going on. Otherwise, it would cease to exist. There are always pure Vaishnavas uh, walking the world somewhere. And uh, just as the world's filled up with food and money, we can only get a certain amount of money. Have you ever noticed that? Um, <laughs> according to your... According to what's allotted to you, you can only get a certain quality and quantity of food. Uh, you know, you can't insist upon it. Some people are starving. Other people are rich. Or some people are poor, even hard, as hard as you might try. So in a similar way, according to our uh, desire, uh, we can find guru and in, in this world. Well, we're running out of time because we have a, a very important presentation about bhakti community. It's a, a fun, you get to watch a video and all kinds of stuff to, to orient us towards some of the very progressive steps we're taking to um, allow people to come closer to Krishna consciousness. And we're going to start in just a couple minutes as soon as I get positive confirmation that Jaya Madhavapu was ready to go. And in the meantime, oh, there he is. Okay. So, Hare uh, Krishna Okay, go ahead. Yes, because you were trying to get in a few minutes ago, and I. Uh, so, Guru Maharaj, when you uh, when you are answering uh, Sirisha Mataji's uh, question, you mentioned everything is Krishna and offer everything to Krishna. So, I I wrote uh, some of my points, and just now you mentioned uh, uh, Ananya Shintayantoma. So, only two things come to my mind always. Uh, so that is Sarva Dharman Parityajya Mamekam Saranam Raja. And the other thing is Ananya Chintayantoma Yejina Paryupasati. Tesham Nityabhyuktanam Yoga Kshemam Vahamyaham. So like uh, he, uh, he, it is direct that please surrender to me. I will give you whatever you want. So I, I see... Krishna in all beautiful things and I offer all beautiful things to him, uh, Guru Maharaj. Well, that's why Krishna gave you uh, this uh, talent for art. Because you have that <laughs> sense of aesthetic. Actually, it's one of the most important services that one can do for Krishna. We notice that people are most spontaneously attracted to um, uh, beautiful art, either in music, singing, dance, or painting. And really, Prabhupada wanted a cultural revolution through which we present Krishna in these beautiful ways. So it's important what you're doing to dedicate yourself to making beautiful presentations that will attract people's minds and hearts spontaneously. Thank you so much, Guru Maharaj. I only know decorating uh, Krishna Guru Maharaj. Whenever I go to India, I'll get all the silk uh, cloths and uh, jewelry to Krishna and decorate uh, him nicely. Well, that's, that's really beautiful to think about that wherever you go and when you're shopping. This is uh, why bhakti is so powerful, because we're actually serving the, the beautiful form of Krishna. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Not to the arm, 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 Not